When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. It's Stuff You Should Know with Jerry. Depending where you are in the world, you may not be hearing this right now. Yeah, I've heard tell that we are banned in China. I don't uh, know that that's true. I, I, I bet it's true. We're not pets in person. Yeah, but, well, we'll get to that. I'll bet you couldn't find our Chinese pollution sniffer episode, though. Well, that's what I'm saying. I bet there are certain things. Um, or the one-child policy episode? Yeah. I'll bet you couldn't find that one either. I Which, by the we're way... probably banned in China. It's a little weird that we didn't even mention that episode in the zero population episode. Did we not? No. <laughs> Not only did we not mention that episode, apparently we didn't even mention China's one-child policy at all. Hmm. I thought we did. It doesn't seem like us. Actually, it seems exactly like us. Uh, you know what I did, though? Public service announcement. I said it was okay for uh, poisonous spiders to bite your dog, and that's not true. <laughs> I don't know where I got that. I definitely didn't make it up. Like, I read it, and I couldn't find it, and it's wrong, so... um it is not good for your animals to get bitten by poisonous spiders. And of all people, for me to say that, I was shamed. It's okay. That's all right. I just wanted to correct that up front. It's I think a big that's deal. good. That's As long as you correct yourself when you find out, like, that's great, Chuck. Yeah. It just bothered me that I couldn't find out where I, I did it, and people just thought I was just freewheeling. <laughs> right. You know? Eh, it doesn't matter. Uh, so, okay. You feel better now that you got that off your chest? I do. Uh are you ready to talk about internet censorship in all of its vicious, pernicious, nefarious forms? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. So, um, I, in researching this article, fine article by John Strickland, host of Tech Stuff. Yeah. Who has probably covered this eight ways from Sunday. Probably. So if this floats your boat, go check out Tech Stuff as the podcast. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's Tech Stuff. Agreed. Um, the, I found that I knew most of this stuff already but it, i i also found in doing like external research that he followed pretty much the standard of explaining censorship on the internet sure and that it takes a number of different forms but ultimately <clears throat> its goal is the same it's just restricting access to information whether that information be in the form of a nudie picture or a... Um, a nudie picture? Yeah, <laughs> or an essay that uh, is that controverts some sort of official policy of a government. Sure. Um, there's all sorts of different 
ways that you can restrict access to information. And we've been doing it for a very, very, very long time. Like, this is nothing new. It's just censorship in a new form, in a new medium. That's right. Because, I mean, we did one on book banning. Yeah. Pretty old way form of censorship. Sure. The MPAA, that was another censorship episode. Yeah. And, and so now that we have the Internet, there's this big struggle over uh, just how much access should people be allowed. Yeah. And a lot of people say unfettered, 100% total access to everything all the time, everyone should have. If you don't want your kids looking at stuff, buy a web filter. Do it yourself. Yeah. But it's not the role of anybody else besides parents, specifically with their children, to uh, fetter access sure. on the Internet. And I, I kind of agree with that. Well, yeah. Um, uh, well, And as a parent, like I wouldn't want to uh, leave that to someone else anyway. You know, great point. Like, uh, I think a parent should decide when and where their kid discovers certain things. Right. Just, just have that in their control, you know. Yeah. So I get that part of it for sure. Um, so I guess we should go ahead and start there. That is one form of Internet censorship is a parent saying, I've seen the Web. <laughs> I know what's on that thing. It gets kind of dark. <laughs> it gets super dark, They're like by accident sometimes, you know. Like you've typed the wrong thing in, in in Google Images before, right? And been shocked at what you found. Yes. Imagine like having like a ten year old kid seeing that kind of thing. Yeah. No good. No, and you can't stand over your kid and put your hand over their eyes or no. hand over their ears or anything like that all the time. So there's software for this kind of thing. Yeah, and again, I don't think it's about like raising your child in a bubble uh, where they think that the world is roses and rainbows. Right. But um, as a parent, you probably want to be in control of what kind of disturbing images they see at what age. Right. You know? So, uh, yeah, there's things, uh, Cyber Sitter. Um, there's programs called Net Nanny. And uh, <laughs> I know. What they do is um, they have a series of options, uh, generally, that you can select as a parent on what sites that uh, your child can access. And then those options tell the program uh, to enable certain filters. Then all of a sudden your kids goes uh, to type in YouTube. And um, a big frowny face pops up, like a crying right. baby's face pops up. Shame on you. <laughs> what did been, you want to do on YouTube, young you've man? You've been busted. Um, so what you're talking about is a web filter program. Yeah, it's a software add-on. Right. And um, web filters use one of two techniques to censor the Internet, right? Yes. They use blacklists, which is a list of specific domain names that you are not allowed to access. Yeah, keywords. Right. Um, and then... There's also, well, no, that's different. That's the other one is keywords. Oh, okay. So a blacklist is like, um, howstuffworks.com. Yeah, yeah. On a list. And so if your kid tries to go to howstuffworks.com or any of its subdomains, it's going to be blocked. Yeah, those are the, the filter options that I was talking about. But with the keyword. Yeah. It's a different type of filter option where, um, there's keywords, uh, that if, when, when the kid tries to go to a website, this um, the web filter scans the page to see mm-hmm. if there's any of these keywords, and if there are, then it'll block that site. Yeah, because those keywords are what are put there so you can find those things. Like if you see the keyword to like some porn video, right? It'll have a whole list of words describing what you're seeing, and so if you have those keywords, um, it'll it'll root it out and say you can't go because that site said had the keyword ejaculate. Right. It's probably For one. <laughs> it's funny. I meant to tell you when we did the male puberty um, episode, I went on to the computer, the public computer at the clubhouse. 
um, at my clubhouse, right? Why don't you do that? It's a print. Oh. I don't have a printer at home. You still don't have a printer? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good printer at the clubhouse. There's a big difference between printer at home and like a good printer, you and know? And a clubhouse printer? Sure. This printer's a good printer. You know what they say, Club- can't beat a clubhouse printer. Right. But I tried <laughs> to go on and it was like, no, you can't, you can't open this web page. Oh, really? Because it was, I had, I'm sure it was erection is what blocked it. And it said Josh Clark in unit. <laughs> right. Can't go on to read about male puberty. Wow. Uh, but then I tried it again. I refreshed and it was like, oh, okay. And it let me on. Oh, really? So it wasn't the best web filter ever, but. And you didn't get a strongly lettered, uh, worded letter shoved under your door that <laughs> night? <laughs> Not that night. All right. That's good. So yeah, blocking out these keywords, um, these blacklist keyword blocking, that's a, it's a great way to filter out uh, nefarious websites. There's also firewalls. And I've been trying to get to the bottom of the difference between a firewall and a web filter. I heard you and Strickland talking about it earlier. Oh, yeah. You had to ask the, the pro. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That I can go to the author of the article and ask. Yeah, know? I almost went down there and I was like, nah, Josh will tell me. <laughs> so a firewall basically protects the computer or the local network All right. from the rest of the internet. Yes. Not just websites, but um, internet relay chats, like instant messaging, uh, email, all that stuff. It protects it. And it says you can come through, you can come through, but you can't come through. And protects from viruses and malware and, and sure. attacks and that kind of stuff. Whereas a web filter is... Um, it more says you can't go on to these things. So but the, they still exist, like, technically on your computer, right? Is that the difference? Like the firewall is further upstream? No. No? No. Am I misunderstaning it? Yeah, it's, t- it's actually, <laughs> the, the nuance is, is difficult to understand. If you yeah. go and type in difference between firewall and web filter, it doesn't bring up a lot of stuff, and the okay. stuff it does bring up, it's it's kind of hard to understand. So basically, the firewall protects your entire computer or network from the rest of the internet. Okay. A web filter restricts access from your computer to the rest of the internet. It's almost directional is the okay. difference. I gotcha. Going out or coming in. We don't have to bring him in here, do we? I'm gonna go get him. No, no, no. It'll be like we the Necronomicon <laughs> episode all over again. So, um, one of the problems with web filtering software that uh, opponents like to harp on is that. They don't, um, it's just like keywords and things. They can't t- talk about context right. and filter in context. So you might not be able to get a recipe for a chicken breast because it has the word breast in it. Right. Um, which, you know, I guess if your kid wants to cook chicken breast, he's out of luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because it's only like, doesn't it work? It's just for the kid, right? Like they have to log on and that enacts the software. Like I it's think not the software is probably on all the time, and then if you're the parent, you can be like, uh, "No, I need this chicken bre- breast recipe. Here's oh, okay. the password or something." Right, like that. You or you you have it on the one computer that your kid uses. Right, and you trust them to not use your the, computer. The leapfrog, your filthy computer. <laughs> you know, uh, it's got flies buzzing around. So that's um, that's the home version when you're just trying to protect your kitties uh-huh. from uh, seeing the the darkness that is the web. Yeah, a lot, um, of, a lot of people can't. Argue with that. Sure. Um, uh, there's also business censorship, which yeah. um, we don't have really here uh, because we have to research all kinds of things. Uh, part of our job is to be on social media. Mm-hmm. But um, if you work for a big corporation, you may not even be able to get on Facebook at work. Well, from what I could tell, Facebook is probably the most censored website on the entire Internet. Yeah, I believe that. 
um, like far and away. Yeah. There, there's like uh, I, there was this list from I think it was like 2011, which is just totally out of date for this kind of stuff. Sure. But Facebook was like 14 percent, and the rest of the um, the I think the next one was maybe MySpace or something like that. Oh wow! And like 10 percent of all businesses ban that or something. Huh. So like far and away, Facebook is the most banned, which makes sense because it's a time suck. Yes, it is. And if you, if your job has nothing to do with social, there's no reason for you to be on Facebook for any reason whatsoever. No, there really isn't. Um, and, uh, since we're talking about Facebook, for the followers of Stuff You Should Know, who are listeners to this show, I apologize for all the non-listeners that have invaded our Facebook page. Oh, what happened over there? Well, we just, we really grew a ton, remember, on that, like mm-hmm. one year span. Yeah. And I don't know how, but we got blasted out. And a lot of people who have no idea who we are, that we even have a podcast, mm-hmm. just started following the page, I guess, is like, oh, this is interesting things you know. Okay. And just follow the feed. And um, are they a lot of fun to have on? They're jerks, man. And uh, you can they? spot them a mile away because the stuff you should know, Army, is well known to be very understanding, smart, compassionate, forward thinking people. Yeah. And these people are trolls. It's true, and it man. really stinks because I have to heavily moderate it now. It sucks. And I used to, it just used to be a, a fun place for uh, open-minded people to exchange ideas in a respectful way, and it's just not like that anymore. No, that stinks. We so, should shut that one down and start over. No, <laughs> shouldn't shut it down. But I, I was talking with someone on one of our fans on Facebook the other day because they were commenting about that, mm-hmm. and I said, "I wish there was a, a brief quiz you had to pass." Um, in order to oh, like yeah. like this page, yeah, like, like who what's are Josh the, and Chuck? <laughs> what's the largest manufacturer of tires in the world? No, even easier. Like, what's a podcast? Oh, because they'd be they'd throw up some meme that says like "f you," right? You know? Yeah. Anyway, I just want to throw that in there. I, I'm sorry for people who've had a bad experience there lately. That was nice of you, Chuck. There've been attacks. That is why our fans are so nice to us because yeah. stuff like that we care. Um. So anyway. It's a big time suck, uh, emphasis on suck. Uh, and so that's the reason they shut it down. The other is to avoid harassment, which makes sense. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, your coworker might bring up a porn image. Uh, you know, some dude might say, hey, check this out. Hostile work environment. Hostile work environment, and a company cannot risk that at all because they'll get sued, sued, sued. Yeah. And so the easiest thing to do is just to shut it down. Yeah. Restrict access. Restrict access. So um, that makes sense in a way. It does, and if you want to know more about your employer governing your work computer, yeah, go check out our episode, Is Your Employer Spying on You? Totes. That was a good one. It was a good one. Um, we're going to keep going right after this. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. 
That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com slash stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. So Chuck, we've we've covered parents censoring the internet for their kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Employers censoring the internet for their employees. Kind of difficult to argue with either one of those, especially if the employer is censoring the internet for their employees' work computer that the employer provided. Yeah, you can't really argue with that. During work hours, it's tough to, it's tough to be like, no, that's wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. But again, we're coming from a place where we have like basically unrestricted access to the internet. Yeah. Uh, so it might suck to work Boy, under those draconian measures. The stuff we look up. I know. It's We're shocking. on some lists, man, for <laughs> We're sure. Totally on lists. Um, the the third censorship, the third level, I guess, is is much greater, and this is the one where people really start to go berserk, and I think rightfully so. And that's government control, government censorship of the internet, and pretty much every country that allows access to the internet, which is basically every country these days, um, there's some level of censorship. To some degree, some are much worse than others, but basically all governments in one way, shape, or form censor what their citizens can access on the Internet. Yeah, and um, even before that, like search engines themselves censor because if like Google and Yahoo didn't censor anything, the search results you would get would just be no good. Right. It would be like... 1996 or something. Yeah, so they do their own censorship, but that's, um, as far as the government goes, uh, there's something called the Open Net Initiative, O-N-I, mm-hmm. and they're an organization that um, their dedication is to inform the public about web filtering and surveillance around the world. I want to dedicate this to the public. <laughs> uh, and they have four categories of um, web filtering. Uh, political, which is when you, let's say, you want to speak out against your leaders, and your country may not allow that. You know, if you have a blog, they may censor your blog. Uh, yeah, there's a pretty good um, example of this recently in China and India. They mm-hmm. both followed the same trajectory, but to different ends. Um, in China, there was a documentary about Chinese pollution called Under the Dome. Yeah. It went viral. And like it got 200 million views in the first day or something like that. Yeah, and it was government approved. The documentary was right, but it took off, and um, the Chinese government took it down. 
And they did so successfully. Like, you couldn't find that anywhere in China after that. In yeah. India, there was a documentary around the same time that was about that very infamous um, public transportation rape case. Uh-huh. Um, and it went viral and got a ton of views, too. And it also got people talking in India about this again. And um, the government tried to take that down, but in a very clumsy manner. And it, it was very ineffective as well. But both 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 governments tried to do the same thing. There was yeah. something that was going on. It was stirring up the populace, and they tried to censor it by taking down or restricting restricting access to it. Yeah, and the China one, to me, is just crazy because, like I said, it was government-approved, the documentary was. So they didn't even have a problem with the documentary. Mm-hmm. But in China, they will censor things. They will censor anything that seems likely to spur any kind of activism at all. Right. Well, there was a study that um, found that a post, if you have a couple of posts that are, say, critical to the government, uh-huh. but one, so both are critical of the government, but one of them advocates collective action, yeah, like getting people riled up, like let's go meet in Tiananmen Square or something sure. like that. That's the one that's going to get taken down. Yeah. So the they're really concerned, not necessarily just with criticism, but more so about um, fomenting popular unrest. Yeah. And China gets picked on all the time. And, yeah. and rightfully so. They probably are the world's most prolific censor, at least biggest, because of the size of their population. Yeah, that's and exactly And the measures it. they take. They, they have what's called the Great Firewall of China. But I think especially in countries in Western democracies, it's a bit of a red herring because it's kind of like, God, look at what China's doing. Look at how much they right. censor. It, it really kind of detracts from the censorship that goes on here sure. in the United States and other Western democracies um, that's just as pernicious, if not worse, because this is taking place in what's supposed to be an open liberal democracy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. But um, it is kind of easy to pick on China. Well, of course it is. Um, they also will um, – there was a post in 2011 that um, there was a rumor that salt could stave off radiation poisoning from uh, – the Fukushima reactor, uh-huh. and China quashed that because people were going out and buying a bunch of salt. I remember that. So, again, um, they just squashed that because people were buying up too much salt. Because it would supposedly pack your thyroid so full that your thyroid couldn't absorb oh, the radiation. That was why? Yeah. Huh. And it basically just bounced off. Uh, if you're famous in China, you, you're going to be heavily scrutinized. So you got to watch what you post. Yeah, and, especially um, if you're Ai Weiwei. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and then uh, the thing I saw said that, like, small-time users and bloggers that, that complain about the government, it's not like uh, such a police state that they'll, like, take down all of that. Um, if you have some influence, you're much more likely going to be censored. Okay. You know? Like, yeah. if you're not getting a ton of web hits and you're... Speaking out about the leadership, then uh, the, the, you probably will just go unnoticed, right? You know. So that was the open net initiatives. That was just one of the four. Yeah, political. Um, the next one is social, and that's web pages that are have to do with like drugs, gambling, yeah. sex, porn, all that stuff. Um, that's very frequently censored. Uh, for example, like in um, a lot of uh, Muslim countries, uh-huh. uh, Iran supposedly is working on what they're calling a halal internet, which is yeah. a very much sanitized version of the internet 
with all of that that stuff, the social censorship being enacted. Um, and from what I understand, Iran is not so, uh, I don't know if ambitious is the word, or diluted maybe, mm-hmm. that they're thinking they can replace the actual Internet in Iran. I think their ultimate goal of what outsiders are thinking, uh, their ultimate goal is to create like a side by side internet. Yeah. Like here's the halal version that any like, um, right. any practicing Muslim can, can access and feel good about. Here's the other one that, um, is connected to the rest of the world economically and informationally. Yeah. And that was, um, you sent this great article, uh, web censorship colon, the net is closing in wherein the writer basically proposes that this is the future of the Internet is a bunch of separate Internets. Yeah, it was um, Eric Schmidt from Google. Yeah, it was a really good article. His his BFF, Jared Cohen. Is that who wrote it? Yeah. Yeah, and they basically envision a future where there isn't a World Wide Web so much as there is a Russian Internet, an Mm -hmm. American Internet, a halal Internet. And uh, it used to be, I didn't even know this, there was an English-only language standard for a while. Yeah. But um, that's all changing now. Uh, and now you have internationalized domain names that, uh, you know, like they can have a, a, a Sunni-only Internet right. that they can read in their language and their characters right. and um, has no English whatsoever. So where are people going to go if they speak that language? They're going to go to that Internet. Right. And Eric Schmidt foresees this time when the um, the Internet very much resembles the world. So if you want to go on to yeah. another country's website, you're going to need some sort of virtual passport. Yeah, like an e-visa. Something like that, yeah. Super interesting. Um, and you may have to pay a fee to go on there, and you're going to be subject to that country's rules and laws and regulations, just like you would if you were traveling physically to that country. Yeah. Um, and that all of this is going to arise from censorship, from yeah. this society saying, we value this and we find this evil. Uh-huh. Um, some government saying this challenges our official stance, so we have to have that taken out. So all of these competing different international interests um, will ultimately fracture the Internet. And we'll, it will still be interconnected, but it will be compartmentalized. Yeah. Yeah, he even envisioned a future where someone would have to seek Internet asylum. Yeah. Which was, uh, I don't know, man, it's just... It's crazy. He, I mean, he basically says this is already underway, right? Uh, in some in some form or fashion. So where it goes, we'll see. Oh yeah, it definitely is. He was saying the ultimate uh, outcome of this will be when some government or some country can figure out an alternate to the domain naming system, which is the directory for the entire internet right now. Yeah. If you can figure out a way to not have to use that. You can disconnect from the internet. Yeah. And you would basically create a separate internet just for your society. And that would be, that would lead to the ultimate censorship. Yeah. It almost, uh, it's not even the internet at that point. It's like a, a set of widely published guidelines and things. That's right. all it is. Yeah. It's just a big collection of articles and things they deem okay. Right. Uh, cause to me, internet means access to whatever. Yeah. I mean, but you're, you, you grew up as the internet grew up. So you understood what it, or you understand what it, it was originally meant to be. Yeah. Like you can't just publish the world book encyclopedia online and call it the internet. That's just a specific set of information. (laughs) You know what I mean? Good point. Not that there's anything wrong with world book encyclopedia. That's a great encyclopedia. They should sponsor us. 
Uh, all right, we're going to take another break, and right after we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the um, the countries that are the biggest offenders in Internet censorship. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. All right. Uh, before we left, we were talking about China. Uh, there's a group called Reporters Without Borders, and they cover much more than Internet censorship, but they do have a list of offending countries. And uh, it reads like this, uh, Belarus, China, uh, Cuba, which I have some more stuff on Cuba, uh, Iran, um, Myanmar. 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 What did I say, Myanmar? Myanmar. Uh, apparently, they've gotten a lot better. Um, Burma has. Well, they opened up big time their society. Yeah, in September 2011 is when they really like made a bunch of big reforms. Uh-huh. And um, but the problem there is only one percent of the country are internet users to begin with. Well, supposedly those people that do use the internet are have um, screenshots taken of what their computer use yeah. every couple minutes by government sensors. Yeah, I think that a lot of that's changing now, though. Great. Since 2011. Um, a few more. Saudi Arabia, uh, North Korea, Abdi, Syria, uh, Tunisia, Turkmenistan, Vietnam, and Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where you're going to find a lot of censorship going on. And Cuba is really interesting. Um, they used to not have private Internet at all. Like you had to go to an Internet cafe, government-run Internet cafe. Right. And everything was monitored, cameras in there even. Um, apparently, Cuba is even coming into the new world a little bit because uh, now 5% of Cubans have home access. Um, but it is slow. <laughs> yes. This one writer went there and he said it took him an hour to upload a 30 megabyte image um, that took like five seconds at home on Google Drive. <laughs> so they don't have broadband, obviously. For now, when that embargo gets lifted, uh, there's no telling how fast things are going to change there. Well, the U.S. and the U.N. are already working with them to try and improve their Internet and their Internet access. Yeah. But um, as a nation, they rank 125 out of 166 in telecom development. Yeah. So um, 
they're uh, the nice way to say it is they're behind the curve. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's um, that raises a kind of a good point. You were talking about how slow it is. You couldn't even buy a computer there until 2007. Wow. You could not purchase a computer. Man, a lie. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, but with with very slow internet, that in and of itself is considered a form of censorship. Yeah, I guess so. So, you know, this whole thing about net neutrality that was going on. Yeah. So uh, That deserves its own show, of course. It does, but let's just briefly say. Yeah. With net neutrality, the telecoms... Um, the internet service providers managed to petition the Supreme Court to basically say the FCC can treat you guys in the same way that they, you treat websites. Yeah. As information services. Yeah. And an information service is basically it's like an independent business that creates or provides content for the web. Mm-hmm. Um, under the Telecoms Act, the internet service providers were what are called common carriers and were to be treated just like a telephone provider, mm-hmm. which is you have unfettered, unrestricted access to the telephone lines. Yeah, not like I'm at and I'm going to pay a lot for a phone line that works. Right. Ins- uh, but this other company, if they don't pay as much, you won't be able to get your calls placed. Exactly. Um, or I'm AT&T and... I don't think you should be saying what you're saying or talking to this person. So I'm going to restrict your ability to call that person. Right. Right. Um, that's what was going on with this, uh, the Supreme Court decision with the idea that telecommunications companies were anything other than common carriers. Right. Right. So they were almost getting to the point where they were going to be allowed to restrict access to, um, throttle speeds uh-huh. so that you could pay for a faster speed if you were, say, Netflix or something like that. Right. But then a new startup company wouldn't, wouldn't have, have that kind of money yeah. and would be strangled in the cradle was was how the, the idea went. Well, fortunately, the idea was overturned by the FCC. Yeah. The FCC said what amounts to we're going to treat the telecoms like common carriers from here on out. Yeah. And that means that they have to provide unrestricted access to the internet for everybody. And it was a really big deal. It was very close. It was, it may be like the biggest thing moving forward in, in, well, clearly with like the internet. Right. But, um, and it, it touches all kinds of business and, uh, personal privacy and everything. Like we need to do a show on that. I agree. In full. Yeah. Net neutrality. <laughs> but the, the point was, is that if you throttle speeds, those things that load more slowly than others are going to, in effect, be censored. Yeah. Because, I mean, how long do you sit around for a website to load before you just close the tab and move like on? six or eight minutes. What? <laughs> no. Okay. I meant six or eight nanoseconds. Man, you, you got me. Um, so that, in and of itself, is a form of censorship that was avoided by the FCC adopting this um, common carrier uh, approach to the ISPs. Well, it would just create monopolies. People would be squeezed out. Yeah. Smaller companies would never have a chance. True that. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess we should talk about some of the opponents of Internet censorship. Um, the ACLU is a big one, obviously. Yeah. Um, they have taken, they, they pretty much squashed the Children's Online Protection Act in its tracks. Uh, this was introduced, or it was actually passed in 1998, but it was never implemented because it just was uh, pounded on year after year, basically, yeah. um, and as unconstitutional. And that was a law that made it illegal to present materials that um, were deemed harmful to minors, even if it was 
valid for adults. Right. And they basically, time and time again, it was taken to court, and they said, no, nah, you can't do that. No, you can't. An- another one that they tried was called SOPA, the Stop Online Piracy Act. Yeah, I remember that. And it basically said that if you even link to uh, somebody that provides pirated material, your entire website can be taken down. If you even link to that that site, right? Yeah. Um, and that came very close. And you think, well, I mean, what's wrong with, with protecting copyrighted material? Sean Austin's in favor of it, you know? <laughs> was he one of the big guys? Uh... Yeah, he was like the face of that campaign for a while. Hmm, let's um, get a Goonie. Right. Or uh, uh, Rudy. <laughs> yeah. Or he was, um, was he Frodo? No. He was Samwise Gamgees, I think. Yeah, I think so. So um, you had the SOPA. You had COPA. Mm-hmm. You had SIPA. Yeah. You had all these things that were protecting the children or protecting intellectual copyrights. But a lot of people kind of saw through these as smoke screens and said, right. ultimately what you're doing is creating a law that gives blanket right to governments, mm-hmm. to the U.S. government, to police what we do on the Internet. Yeah. You're, you can, you're dressing it up to protect intellectual property rights or to protect children, but ultimately what you're doing is setting in motion government censorship of the Internet, and it got stopped. But it's a, from what I understand, it's a, there's no resting on your laurels kind of stuff going right. on. Like you're, th- this fight's not going away anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it always works is that they'll sell it to you as something that you need and think you should have. Right. But what it really is is something else. Yeah. So, Chuck, um, there is this uh, UN report recently, a special report, that basically said Internet kill switches are a violation of human rights. Yeah, that was two days ago. Right. Or yesterday. Hot breaking news. Breaking news. (laughs) Hot breaking news. Fresh from the oven. So an Internet kill switch is kind of a misnomer because it's not like there's a, a button or a switch that any country or government can just turn off the Internet. Yeah. What you can do is, especially, say, like with um, cell phone providers, it's usually cell, cell phone and Internet access yeah. that's falling under this. And in the United States, there is something called Standard Operating Procedure 303. Yeah. SOP 303. You might not have heard of it because... Boy, it didn't have much fanfare around it. No, and it quietly passed. The Department of Homeland Security is uh, fighting tooth and nail to keep the um, the details of it under wraps. Yeah, completely. Uh, but basically, what happened is in 2006, the Bush administration, and it was later supported by the Obama administration, said the the federal government needs to have the ability to turn off the internet in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever it deems an emergency. Yeah. And the whole thing was born out of these um, London bombings, London um, underground bombings. Yeah, in 2005, when the subway attacks happened, we actually did this. We threw the kill switch on in the Holland Tunnel and the Lincoln Tunnel in New York. On cell phones. On cell phones. Because these bombers used their cell phones to trigger the bomb. That's right. So the problem was... But that didn't work. No, it didn't. Like, even the Department of Homeland Security, I mean, it worked. They cut them out. But the um, DHS even said uh, there was disorder for both governmental and private sectors at the time uh, when the use of communication infrastructure was most needed. Right. So so that is one very big argument against a, an Internet or cellular kill switch. Yeah, it makes is more that, chaos. It does. And, like, you really need to be able to get in touch with friends, family, coordinate. Absolutely. Get to a, a safe place, what have you. So to just cut out 
that kind of that level of communication. That's one argument against it. Another one is that it can be very easily used by a government to quell um, popular unrest, to protest, yeah, which happened as well in San Francisco. Yeah, with the uh, at the the subway, the BART shooting of Oscar Grant mm-hmm. at Fruitvale Station. Um, they learned in August 2011 there was going to be uh, demonstrations going on, so they shut off cell phone service at the subway station so people couldn't organize. Right. And that was, you know, supposedly just going to be a peaceful protest. Right. So th- that was the San United Francisco States, dude. we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That same exact play was used by Hosni M- Mubarak during the uh, popular uprisings in Egypt. Yeah. I mean, like, the same exact thing. So uh, the upshot of this is that DHS is protecting the secrets of SOP 303, but it very much does exist, and the government does have the power and the capability to turn off the Internet in entire cities uh, if it deems it necessary. Yeah, and there's very important ruling uh, coming down here in the next couple of weeks uh, because in 2002 the Electronic Privacy Information Center filed a suit in federal court seeking disclosure about the basic guidelines and policies of this SOP 303. And they're going to be ruling on it soon. And they're not saying open the books on everything because we want to compromise our safety. They're saying... Like what What? What triggers this decision is one big question. Yeah, and who is who is doing this? They're not, you know, basically right now it says that there is... Um, it can come from a state homeland security advisor. They're designees or representatives of the DHS Homeland Security Operations Center. Yeah, not the um, president or anything like that. Yeah, and then there's a sub-agency called the National Coordinating Center for Communications, and they are the ones that says uh, that are tasked with a series of questions to determine if a shutdown is necessary. Right. And, like, who are these people? And what are the questions? And what are the questions? And, uh, again, they're not saying this... Um, well, some people are saying this should never happen under right. any circumstance, uh, including the UN. But um, and in the United States, it's a prior restraint on free speech. It's yeah. as simple as that. So it's automatically unconstitutional to do this. But the fight right now, at least, is for more transparency uh, and an understanding of the policy, at least. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. But man, that is scary. Yeah, it is. San Francisco shutting down. I mean, it sounds like China. Or Egypt? Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And no one knows about this stuff much because, I don't know, people are on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, well, or actually, it's Facebook not, is not publicized. Might, yeah, they might be where you learn about something like that, in fairness. but Plus, I would say the, the national media is at its lowest point as far as being a um, public service in its history yeah. in the United States. It's just shameful where the, where the popular media is. Yeah. They're just lapdogs and stenographers. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's pretty pretty bad scene these days. It really is, Chuck. I'm waiting for the pendulum to swing in the other way toward responsibility. and. Uh, yeah, that's happening soon. I detected sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> just a tad. You never know, man. Sometimes things go bad in one direction and people wake up and go back to... Uh, it's like uh, farm to table now, you know? People <laughs> ate trash for so long and now it's like the complete opposite. People really care about the food they eat and where it comes from. Some do. Well, that's true. You got anything else? Internet censorship is just like the farm-to-table movement. Exactly. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Did I just make that connection? And you're John Hockenberry. Yes. Uh, If you want to know more about internet censorship, you should type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. You should just type those words into some search engine somewhere and learn more about it. Absolutely. Uh, You can visit StuffYouShouldKnow.com and the podcast page for this episode, and it's got tons of links to good stuff about this. 
Um, and I said search bar in there somewhere, so it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this, you saved the beginning of my honeymoon. Um, guys, we're from Seattle, and we just got married a week ago. Uh, this is a man and a woman. He said, we left right away after the wedding for a honeymoon, flew to Maui on a six-hour flight. Mm. Boy, that's not bad from Seattle, huh? No, that's nice. Like, what do you got to fly? That's like 10 hours, 12. And you got to stop in California, probably. I think there's direct flights from Atlanta. That's Are just there? a long flight. Yeah, it's about like 12-hour flight. One of the many benefits of living in Seattle, I might add. Nice town. Um, so we flew to Maui, and during the flight out, seated in front of us was a Russian family uh, with three one-year-old triplets. I don't know why it matters. They were Russian. They were crying in Russian, I guess. And he said <laughs> they were very disturbing. Uh, one would set the other one off, and it led to the mom rocking the kids, and then the kids would start crying, and the kids didn't like being rocked, and they ended up kicking me in the head. Jeez. <laughs> he said, did I get mad? No, guys. Because I was listening to you the entire flight. On the return flight, a woman in the row in front of us uh, proceeded to get more and more drunk throughout the entire flight and ended up <laughs> drunkenly shouting at other passengers, talking politics and religion, pushing other people's seats and staggering to the bathroom every couple of minutes. What is wrong with people? Wow. You're on a plane. You're not in your home. Put your shoes on. Don't get drunk. Hey, hey. There's nothing wrong with taking your shoes off on a plane. Yes, there is. No, You're not. not in your living room. There's nothing wrong with taking <sighs> As long as your feet stay in your little section while your feet are, I totally your shoes are off, you're fine. You should never take your shoes off in public. That's I disagree mine. with you. All right. That's fine. My shoes are off right now. I'm disgusted. <laughs> um, again, my stress level is at zero because I was still uh, learning about snakes and water slides and clowns. Nice. Other than saving my sanity, I want to. Uh, I think you saved several lives without... Your calming voices, I would have undoubtedly thrown the woman from the plane halfway over the Pacific Ocean. It would have been like The Good Shepherd. What's that? That Matt Damon movie about the beginning of the CIA, where he throws his son's oh, yeah. uh, soon-to-be wife out of the plane. Yeah. And that was disturbing. What's wrong with Matt Damon? Man, that was disturbing. Uh, I hope you guys realize the public service that you do. Thanks, Jesse and wife. That clown episode was one of our better ones, if you ask me. Yeah. I, I have it all. Agreed. Chills, thrills. Clowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, like Jesse and... Uh, His wife, he didn't mention her because Jesse's selfish. Well, <laughs> congrats <laughs> to you guys. Yes. Regardless. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know, especially if you're not a troll. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you 
and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.